Welcome to the Pin to Profit Podcast. This show is the fiction author's one-stop shop for all things writing, from pinning captivating prose to the nitty-gritty of grammar to tips, tricks, and insider advice on marketing to turn your passion for writing into cold, hard cash. Because the only thing better than writing the next great American novel is making a fortune doing it. Am I right? With our guidance, you'll be raking in book sales faster than a cheetah on roller skates chasing a squirrel with a winning lottery ticket. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get ready to go on a rollicking ride into the realm of writing riches. Because the Pin to Profit podcast starts now. All right, and we are live. Welcome back once again to another episode of the Pen to Profit podcast. I am your host, friendly neighborhood proofreader and copy editor, Ray Evans. And in my quest to bring you guys the most value ever, um, I've decided to continue the interview series and try to get uh, more publishing and writing professionals on because as Tony Robinson said, uh, success leaves clues. So I am very excited because I have a really special guest today, uh, Shanti Hershenson. First two novellas were published when she was in the sixth grade, although her writing journey started long before then. Ever since she could hold a pencil, marker, or crayon, she was creating stories. They started from pictures, mere scribbles, and eventually turned into captivating tales. Now, that is pretty impressive. Sixth grade, that's about, I think, 11 or 12 years old, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just yep. thinking about... Yeah, what I was doing when I was like 11 or 12, I think I was just like playing video games stuff, definitely uh, not writing full length stories. So yeah, a little bit intimidated, a little bit impressed simultaneously. <laughs> so do you want to say hi to the audience? And also, can you tell us what your favorite book is and why? Hi, um, first off, thank you so much for having me. I That's such a good question. I have a lot of different favorite books, but I would say my number one favorite book is The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky. I read it when I was, I believe, in the seventh grade, and I'm I'm a 10th grader now, so it's been a bit, and still, I don't know if I've ever read a book that I've just connected to as much, and I've really, like, loved the characters and everything. Like, that book, I was obsessed I have to say my close, like, second favorite book is The Book Thief, and I love the writing style of that book. Just the way the author, like, narrated the story is so incredibly beautiful, and it's one of those books that's still, like, really, really well-written and has a really, like, flowery writing style, but it's also, like, completely understandable and still, like, uh, fairly... I don't want to say an easy read because it's not an easy read, but it's, like, it's an understandable, comprehensive read. Interesting. Uh, who's the author of The Book Thief? I've actually never Marcus heard of Marcus Zusak. Marcus Suzak. Okay, I have to make a note of that. I'll check that one out later. Always glad to have a new recommendation to add to uh, my reading list on Amazon. All right, and I'm also pretty glad that you didn't mention one of your books because that would have been like really like vain and narcissistic of you if you did do that. Yeah, and, no. <laughs> and actually, it was on your website. It looks like I think you have around like 12 books uh, published uh, as of today. Is that correct? Uh, 16. I have um, on my homepage, I should have. 
is it around 12 now? What I've been doing is like, I used to have like literally all of my books on my homepage, but now that I have so many, it's like, I don't want to have a really large homepage. So I've been like, basically every time I release another book, when I announce like the release date of one, I'm sort of like kicking off another book from that homepage. Wow. So one of my books just got kicked off the homepage and I don't, I think it was actually Biomlock, which was the first novel I ever wrote, just got kicked off my homepage. But then on my, um, I have a separate page on there that has like all of them and it's separated by series. And then I have another page with like, that's literally listed because sometimes um, the two novellas I published when I was in sixth grade aren't on my website really because. God, you might need a second. Apparently with uh, your uh, bibliography, you might need a second homepage at the, at the rate you're uh, <laughs> pumping out yeah. these stories. I have to update my website. I, I've had, um, I designed that website when I first started um, really seriously marketing my books. And so far it's been working really well, but I think, I think I'm due for a remodel. Did you design the website yourself? I did. I used, um, actually to be fair, I used Wix, but I did like I did it all by myself. I um when I was younger, I was really into like computer programming and website design. Like I used to want to be a game designer or some kind of software developer when I was a kid. So that was um just something I was really passionate about. But now it's not something I'm as interested in anymore. However, I still use it as, you know, when I'm publishing. Wow, aspiring game designer, website designer, author of 16 books. I'm, I'm just feeling a little bit inadequate right now, if you can't tell by the tone of my voice. No <laughs> I have Are, to say, I had yeah. to take a computer science course last year in school, and it was not easy. I am not, I don't remember anything from my like computer <laughs> programming days anymore. Oh, wow. All right, so we've kind of established that you've got a you're a, quite a prolific writer uh, at such a young age. So I was curious, um, what like hobbies or interests do you have that are not related to writing that you think people will be surprised uh, that, that you're into or interested in? Ooh, I have, let's see, I'm trying to name something that's not, I was about to say, oh, well, I love to read, but that's extremely obvious. So other than that, I would say um, I have like some athletic interests. I do um, enjoy skateboarding and I used to fence. I don't, I haven't in a while because um, I moved. I used to live in Los Angeles and I moved to San Diego and I had to leave my old studio and I'm still trying to find the right one for me. And then like the pandemic hit. So there's like all that stuff that's really prevented me, but I do really enjoy like fencing and um, skateboarding. I get injured a lot though. So <laughs> I'm not the best athlete and I just, but I do enjoy like that kind of thing. I also, um, I'm really interested in like birds and animals. So I love, um, I really like falconry. And I love, like, I have photos of me, and there's definitely some photos on my social medias of me literally holding, um, like, birds of prey and stuff. And, like, that's something I really love. And then I have um, pets of my own, and I enjoy spending a lot of time around them and, like, caring, caring for them and, like, playing with them. But I'm not sure if that's really surprising, because animals do come up a lot in my books, I must say. Like a lot um when i was a young like kid i would literally exclusively write about animals <laughs> what kind of pets do you have so i have two cats technically one of them is my sister's and um we have a snake but that's my sister's snake and i have i'm i'm slightly scared of the snake not really he's <laughs> adorable but i really do want to get um like I really wanted to get a crab because I like I don't know I really love like crustaceans and like sea creatures so and I used to have hermit crabs oh wow yeah, yeah I like I actually like crabs too when I go to Red Lobster and they're uh, baked the right way <laughs> covered in butter and a nice blend I've of never had crab like I don't know uh -huh. I've never liked it. I like the fake crab they put on sushi though <laughs> 
you got to try the real thing sometimes. Obviously, you don't you don't want to eat the pet crap that you're going to buy, <laughs> but I highly recommend it if you ever have the time uh, to check that out. I so, will. So, uh, so pretty much uh, the audience here of the show, it's uh, predominantly uh, like self-publishing uh, fiction authors. So I think this is going to be like right up their alley. So I wanted to start off right away with the hard-hitting questions. So first, you mentioned you're in school. So you actually attend a school. You're not like homeschooled or, or anything. No. Oh, I go to school full-time. I have a lot of homework to do over the weekend. Oh, like, wow. So one try to keep a three day it. weekend and like all of my teachers have decided to sign like so much stuff. Oh, geez. Yeah. Because at yeah. the time of recording, uh, Martin Luther King Day is going to be uh, the, the today's a Saturday. It's going to be uh, yeah. on Monday. Uh, that sucks. I remember those days. So I guess my the question I wanted to ask is uh, pretty much about uh, time management. So I'm really curious. I'm sure the audience is as well. Uh, with all the writing that you do, how do you manage uh, your your workload at school? Uh, your social life with your friends and actually you know working on on your craft too i gotta tell you it hasn't been easy when i was first starting out i had a bit of an advantage because i was at home because of lockdown but still i would find that when i was in middle school i would spend more time writing and then not do as much schoolwork. and once i got to high school sort of the pressure really helped because it's like well i have to do my schoolwork. you know i can't just write all day but i still i have written a thousand words every single day since i was in seventh grade and it's just like it's a habit I've built. Um, what I've found is really helpful is just to include my other work. I, I make to-do lists every single day and I try to get basically everything on that to-do list done. And my writing is always like one thing on my to-do list and I do like, well, every marketing thing I need to do. But then I also include my homework and I really just find the time to like work on it. Sometimes I do like 30 minutes of writing and 30 minutes of schoolwork. Other times what I'll do, I'll just get my writing done and then I'll do the schoolwork and then I'll do the marketing or I'll do the schoolwork if the assignments are like shorter first. And really it's just a matter of kind of like coming up with a schedule that works. I find often that if I like go outside of my house to write and do all my work, it's a lot more helpful than doing it at home because I have a very messy room. There are countless distractions in my room. Like I will be writing or doing my homework and then the next thing I know, I'll be like reorganizing my bookshelf or my my stuffed animals or putting up some posters on my walls. So if I can take myself out of that setting and go to like a coffee shop, for example, which is one of my favorite places to like work, then I can just get everything done and then go home and then get distracted then. But really it's just been about like actually like kind of building up that habit and really like figuring out what works for me. Um, there was literally a point when I would skip out like doing homework. Another thing I do that I just remembered is I tend to write at school sometimes. It was, um, I, you know, I had a concussion for a while and I wasn't able to do PE. And towards the end of that, like right before winter break, I was allowed to like, you know, be, um, actually I still wrote while I had the concussion. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to, um, it did not feel, I don't recommend doing that. I, I was, I had a lot of headaches and that was like my only screen time I had. But then towards the end of it, when I was actually allowed to be back at school um, and I wasn't allowed to do PE, I would write during PE. And I have like an hour and 15 minutes of PE. So now I tend to get all my writing done during then. Or I have a free period um, every once in a while. So really like finding the time during my day and then like after school, just figuring out like what works. I see. And so I was actually going to ask you, so you weren't yeah. actually writing during your classes, right? at any point oh good okay because your principal is actually uh, listening in on this right now and you're going to get attention if you were <laughs> yeah. uh, writing stories no, i usually the only times i write during class is like if i'm done and like the teacher said it's okay because i'm kind of a goody two-shoes i'm terrified of getting in trouble 
Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to let your principal know that he can uh, get off the line right now. We, we've confirmed it. She's actually <laughs> uh, participating in class and not uh, writing. Okay. So, all right. So that was the whole point of the interview. So I guess we're done now. Okay. But that was actually uh, a lot. I, I think you brought up a lot of really good points there. Like um, you said, you have the, like the routine where, you know, you write like a, about a thousand words every day. And also you said about those uh, getting out of like, your normal environment so you can kind of like avoid distractions i think that's also another uh, like really good point uh, that you brought up there that if you're listening that you should definitely uh, consider doing so i was uh snooping on your website uh earlier before we had uh, jumped on this call and it says on there in your bio that your first two novellas were published when you were in the sixth grade so you would have been about uh, 11 or 12 years old so I kind of want to shift gears a little bit uh, from like writing process. And could you walk me through, uh, like far as marketing goes, can you walk me through how you like uh, built an audience uh, before you had launched uh, those two novellas? I got to tell you, I barely built an audience when I launched those novellas. So I was 11. I knew nothing about marketing. So I made, I literally, all I did was on Instagram. I made an Instagram account for the books like and I promoted them very little it did not do well however it taught me enough that then once I was actually writing my first novel I was all I was good enough at social media that I was like just really posting consistently and that's all I did and I had like a handful of readers who were interested in the book but it really wasn't that many um but also what I would do is while while I was writing that book and I didn't do this for the novellas is I would read a lot of different marketing articles I really like the readsy blog and just reading all of these different things I could do was both really motivational but also like gave me the kind of foundations of like skills I needed but honestly I started out just on Instagram and then I moved to TikTok and then I started like you know I also would tell people I knew like hey I'm writing a book it's gonna come out around this time so really, that's all I did. And early on, my first couple of releases were pretty um, chaotic. I did not necessarily know what I was doing at first. But what really happened is just the more I published, the more I talked to people, the more I kind of read online and learned, just the better I got. So now I have really definitive marketing strategies and I really know what I'm doing. But honestly, then I really didn't. <laughs> Oh, that was good. And you also mentioned TikTok. And I did want, we're going to get into that a little bit later. So I'm going to put that in my back pocket for right now. Yeah. So, uh, so staying on the uh, marketing topic, I guess I wanted to ask you, um, I guess on, let's say on a scale of like a one to 10, uh, what role would you say that uh, book reviews play uh, in your marketing? How, how important do you think that those are? I really want to say a 10 because I focus on book reviews a lot, probably maybe more than I should. I'm going to say a seven because technically, of course, like the number one thing is sales, but also book reviews equal sales. And I, my one big thing about book reviews isn't necessarily the quality. I don't want to say the quality of reviews. You need good quality reviews. Like if you have a bunch of reviews that are just like one word, that's not good. But the amount of reviews is extremely important on a book. And of course, the average is too. But what I notice is the books that have more reviews, they have like the appearance that they're selling more. So then readers are more likely to buy a book with more reviews because it's like, well, people are actually reading this. So in my marketing strategy, reviews are often even more important than sales. For example, several different um, like components in my strategy involve like giving away the books in exchange for reviews and recruiting readers. So one big thing I do in my pre-marketing strategy is I try to recruit ARC readers. And even I try to get like, I promote the prospect of ARC readers more than I do pre-orders. 
that's how like dedicated I am because people who might not know, I got a question. What's it? What's an oh, arc yeah. reader? What, what is an that? arc reader is an advanced reader copy and their role is they get a copy of the book early and then they read it in exchange for an honest review. And I will say not all of the arc readers review the book. It, it can be around 10%, 20%. Sometimes it's half of them. But my last book, I believe I had around, it was either just 200 arc readers, I think which is a ton. And then I actually had um, through a couple different programs, even more than that, but I had 200 people sign up um, that I recruited through social media. And then a, a percentage of those people would review the book early. The other thing with reviews too, is especially on the launch day, they really help with the algorithm on Amazon. Like Goodreads reviews are great too, but Amazon reviews, like if a book has a lot of reviews the day it releases, then Amazon will push it out to readers more because just the bottom line is, you know, reviews look good. Of course, bad reviews don't look good but as long as your book doesn't have like an incredibly low average you're good got it so i wanted to back up a little bit and uh, talk more about those advanced reader copies where do you find where do you find those where do you find these type of people to uh, give those advanced copies to so for me the best place i've found readers is just like social media especially like tiktok and instagram and my reason for this, especially with TikTok, is that my audience is often teenagers. Like, I write a lot of young adult books. And so TikTok, which is filled with teenagers, those people are more likely to read young adult books. So I can really get arc readers that are, like, my perfect audience. And that's, like, mainly, like, my main source of arc readers. However, I have different other, like, programs I use. For example, um, there's one called Voracious Readers Only. And they'll, for free, give your book away to, like, 20 readers. And it's really helpful. I've gotten great reviews from there. And those tend to be more adults, but they still, you know, adults read young adult books too. And they also have this program called the Evergreen Program. And it's great because so they they offer their book like every month to reviewers. So it gets like a couple extra reviews to trickle in. So I do even like advanced reader copies after the book is already out. For example, my book that released in October, I'm still having people receive the book for free in exchange for an honest review. Oh, awesome. A voracious readers. I'm just going to... I was making a note of that. I was listening to you. I was just making a note of that. So I can uh, be sure to look that up afterwards and add that. into. It's the a show really notes. good one. It's the best. Honestly, it's like the best dark reader program I've got. I found so far because some other ones I've used, I found haven't worked as well. Um, and some of these, like, I don't, I don't want to like mention any service that didn't work for me. Cause always, you know, it really depends on the author and their book. And so I don't want to mention the services that didn't work well for me, but I found that there were like a couple like really popular services that I thought just didn't really work for me in my genre. Like I got maybe like three people signed up and none of them left a review. But with this one, like I had a ton of people sign up to read my book and a ton of people leave reviews. Oh, awesome. That is really good to know. So ARC readers find that find relevant uh, people on social media and look into voracious readers. So I kind of have a theory about what you were uh, mentioning, how uh, more the volume of reviews makes a, a book look better and it, and it kind of influences the Amazon algorithm to push it more. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of this book. There's a, a book by a psychologist. It's called Influence. His name is uh, Robert Cialdini. Uh, he talks about, uh, it's basically about basically why people do things and how people are influenced. And one of the uh, factors he talks about is something called social proof, uh, basically meaning when someone sees somebody else doing something, they're more likely to do it themselves because it has the perception that it's popular. So I'm thinking that that oh, might definitely. have something to do with if a book has two reviews versus one that has 200, people are going to say, hmm, at least 200 people have read this. So I kind of, you know, want to see what it's about myself. And it kind of, it's a way, it's not like a shortcut in the person's brain to make a decision, basically. 
Yeah, because you can't see, of course, you can't see the amount of books like a book has sold unless it says in the description, like over a million books sold, which, you know, some authors do for marketing. So if you can't see it, but you can see how many people have reviewed it. And most likely, you know, of course, like all the people that have reviewed it have probably read it. So you can see how many people have approximately, you know, bought, read the book and like, you know, had enough feelings about it to actually review it. Exactly. Very good point. So staying on the topic of reviews, um, so I guess I wanted to ask you, uh, as a writer yourself with an extensive uh, catalog, uh, how, do, how, if at all, do you deal with uh, negative reviews, uh, feedback, or criticism on any of your work? So I have strategies for like dealing with it. Typically, I don't like, I've had like like a couple like negative reviews but thankfully i haven't gotten like too many in my career but really i kind of like categorize them almost like some review like reviews they have really good feedback that i can use and improve my writing some of them are just mean like some of them it's like no matter what i would have written they would not have enjoyed the book and in that case really all i can do is laugh about it because very often negative reviews come from people who just aren't in your target audience and wouldn't have enjoyed the book regardless like i had one person um complain that i was too mean to the characters and the book ended on like a cliffhanger but you know the book is a part of a series and often books end on cliffhanger so it was more like their personal preference that caused them to review the book poorly and in that case you know they're just like not the right person for the book and there's nothing I can do about it. I just kind of have to like let it go. And that's really like the best way to deal with it because also I view negative reviews as a rite of passage and it also adds to the credibility. Like if a book has like a hundred reviews or a thousand reviews and all of them are positive, I'm like, you know, is this really legit? Like why? Because I find that you know, that's weird. <laughs> like, yeah. Did they buy all these reviews in like Mexico or North Korea? Yeah. 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 And then if a book has like a couple like, you know, negative reviews, then you know, the author is like genuinely, you know, getting their book out there and that the book is genuinely being read by people of like all kinds. Yeah, I think I think that's really a good point you made there, kind of like distinguishing between the uh, actual constructive criticism of, oh, I didn't like the pacing of the story uh, versus you're a mean poopy head. Like, there, one you can actually use to yeah. uh, try to improve your writing and the other is just someone being brave behind a screen which which in our social media landscape there's a lot of people like that but yeah. I, I guess that's a but i guess that would be a, a topic for a totally different podcast <laughs> so staying on uh kind of switching gears a little bit uh, as far as uh i wanted to know since you have about 16 books out uh, as of right now um, so based off of like your stats and your numbers, I'm assuming you, you track in some sort of way, uh, which of your books would you say has been like uh, your most uh, successful? So every day I track um, my books and the ones that are doing well. And I have different ways of measuring success. One thing, even circling back to reviews, is how many book reviews a book has. And the book with the most reviews, I typically am like, oh yeah, that's the most successful book. That's not necessarily true. So my most um, reviewed book is You Own Her Name, and it has around 45 reviews on Amazon and 100-something on Goodreads. And that book actually has sold around a little over half as much as my most sold book. My most sold book is actually Never Dying with 37 reviews, and then there's helipads in heaven which is like has 38 reviews now so it's complicated but i would say that never dying overall is my most successful book 
And that's hard for me to say because You Won't Know Her Name was also very, like, influential for my career and really brought me so many readers and was really, really discussed among a lot of different people. But Never Dying, I just think, did extremely well. And it kind of, like, did well on its own. Like, for example, um, I had someone repost one of my TikToks to YouTube Shorts, which I'm still a little, you know iffy about because i'm pretty sure that video is monetized it has like well over a million views so it went viral like on its own and then that got a bunch of sales and then some of my tiktoks about the never dying series have gone viral as well so really that just completely like made like did so well on social media and it's also a book that i genuinely really enjoyed writing so that's why i would like to say it's my most successful book and it's also just like technically the most sold and i do think over time never dying is going to get more reviews than helipads in heaven however there's also a chance that um not in helipads in heaven um you won't know her name i think helipads in heaven is gonna overall in the next year or so become my most popular book because i believe in it the most i like it the most and everyone has liked it the most (laughs) like i was not expecting the reception that book got and it just completely, like, blew me away. Like, it has gotten so many, like, amazing reviews. And even the people that, like, didn't enjoy it as much still had, like, really nice things to say. Awesome. So, when I asked you that question, I kind of wanted to leave it open-ended because I know success yeah. can be measured in uh, in various metrics like you had just mentioned. So, because I actually had a follow-up to, to the same question, which is why I was asking you which book you felt or perceived was your most successful. So I wanted to know if you could tell me which one that was, and if then if you could walk me and the audience step-by-step uh, step through your uh, like your launch strategy for what you perceive was your most successful book. So I wanted to know which was the Ooh. most successful and how, yeah. and what you think you, what you, think you did uh, like pre-launch that, that could have helped it achieve that level. All right. So, so we can narrow kind it down of, like, to like debate one. whether or not I should do Hell of Heads in Heaven because that's more reason. Or, I'm going to say Never Dying because that's like my most sold book. And okay. um, that's like, I guess, what I call my most successful book. <laughs> you know, it always it changes. I like I jump between like which of those three I feel is my most successful. But for Never Dying, I started posting about it online really early. Like as I was writing it. I really started doing that. I don't do that a lot. I still don't do that. Just I used to, and now I don't as much because I'm still so focused on like, you know, releasing the book and I'm taking more time now to like between the, um, when I officially like announce it and when I release it, but with never dying, I started promoting it really early on. And also one thing that really helped never dying was that it just, it's a very marketable book. And I'd say like some of my books, I find they aren't as marketable to like my audience. For example, helipads in heaven. I love that book. It's doing great. It's, it hasn't, I feel like it has a pretty, like, it's hard to reach people in some ways, but it's doing great. Like, I'm thankfully it's doing well, but I found that like it's appealing more to adults than like teenagers. But like, Never Dying is like the teenage book. It has a romance plot line, it has a lot of action, enemies to lovers, like all of this great stuff. And the internet really loves that. So, by posting on TikTok really early, I was already finding my audience. And then I also put up my arc reader call really early, and I had a lot of arc readers. And then Never Dying, I believe, was also the first book that I really laid out like a good, solid marketing strategy for. Um, Compared to the marketing strategies I do now, it wasn't nearly as long. But I had a couple things that I knew really worked for my previous releases, and I actually laid them out and budgeted the book very well. And then I just like 
it took off from there. That was also where I really started getting my press coverage. So I did um, a buy a book signing for that book. And that was the first like solo book signing I had ever. And also my first in-person book signing. And by doing that, I was able to get some local news coverage. And that really helped like build my presence online and like locally. And I got interviewed in my local news station too. And it was like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, wow. Awesome. Awesome. It's funny. I just wanted to kind of circle back to what you had mentioned. You had stated that you were, uh, you know, kind of like almost like how it's like pre-selling or building anticipation uh, by posting about it online. I actually had uh, two episodes ago for any listeners who are subscribed. I actually had a, uh, like a children's uh, illustrated book author on, uh, she had launched uh, please, two books simultaneously in October. And she actually told me one of her biggest regrets was it basically not doing what you had just said that she didn't actually start marketing until pretty much the day the books came out. And, and that's actually a, a very, I think that's a, very salient point for anybody who's listening you should definitely take notes as long as you're not driving your car because that's illegal and dangerous that you definitely want to uh you know start trying to build that anticipation up as far in advance as possible so like i mentioned before we're going to put a uh, tiktok in the uh in our back pocket until later so i'm going to take that out right now because i was actually also looking on uh your like your tiktok profile now so i'm i'm 37 i'm I'm pretty much, I'm an old guy. I'm not, I don't know what all these uh, young whippersnappers are so uh, interested in TikTok about, but I see you have a pretty uh, big following. I think as of recording, it's around uh, 60,000 followers. Yeah. So clearly, yeah, you're, you're doing something right. I, I do understand that generally speaking, it's a predominantly uh, short form. It's a mostly a short form video like platform. So I guess to start before we do a deep dive into this, could you tell me what was it that uh, made you decide to gravitate and towards TikTok and to continually post content on there, especially with uh, with books, which are it's a text based thing, as opposed to like Twitter or you know or like Instagram, like a lot of my other uh, writer guests have. Why TikTok? So I had been on TikTok since around 2019, but I actually created my writing account in 2021, and of course, like I had really posted on TikTok before. It was more just to like watch videos. And I was noticing that, you know, this was really, especially because of lockdown, it was a platform that was just growing every single day. And I'm like, you know, this has to be good for marketing. And also one very important thing that happened in 2021, which I know there's a lot of people that are going to know about this, is there was something called book talk. And it was where reading and books became very popular on TikTok. And that completely changed the like publishing industry and the way we market and look at like books like i'm telling you like i'm marketing books before and after book talk has been completely different and it like really you know publicized like it's, it actually has become a lot easier now to see like what readers are interested in but because of that i was like i need to join i need to get on this and i thankfully i joined right i feel like when I, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like I was joining right either when book talk was starting to get popular or when it really hit its peak. And that really helped me set up my account. And then from there, I just kept experimenting and made some posts and really quickly I started like getting this following. Oh, wow. Awesome. So I was curious. Um, so I see you post pretty frequently uh, on, on yeah. your TikTok account. So I was curious, um, there's a saying that goes uh, like what gets measured gets managed. So I was curious if you could uh, walk me and, and all our listeners through how exactly do you measure uh, how your content 
that you're posting on TikTok is actually uh, helping you sell and promote your books? Or in other words, how, what data or evidence do you have that there's like a, a tangible positive correlation between the content you're posting on TikTok and like the success sales and uh, profile and visibility of your books? your work yeah of course so one thing i noticed was after i started getting like doing very well on tiktok it's it just got easier to sell books i noticed first off my name was coming up in more places like overall because you know when people find you on tiktok they're gonna look at your website they might look at your amazon page so then it sort of boosts the kind of visibility of everything overall and mainly what I've noticed is the books I promote more on TikTok are the ones that do better. And when I have a video about a certain book that's getting like a significant amount of views, there's always an uptick in sales for that book. And it's always like, it's very noticeable if I can compare kind of my TikTok analytics and how my views and followers are going and then put that side by side with my book sales. Like it's pretty noticeable. Oh, awesome. So... I know a lot of people or a lot of authors that I work with and consult with on a regular basis. Uh, some are still kind of uh, like skeptical uh, about social media. So I guess what I wanted to ask you next was still sticking on uh, TikTok and all the interesting dance videos that I see on the <laughs> rare occasions that, that I log on on. Let's say that I myself, I was a, I was a, a fledgling author and I had just set up a TikTok account. So we're going to do a little role play here. What were three? What are three pieces of advice that you would give me uh, to grow my fresh account with zero posts, zero followers, to at least a thousand followers in thirty days from today? Go. All right, post consistently. That's the easiest thing. If you post once in that thirty-day period, you're not going to hit a thousand followers. If you post every day or every other day, you're much more likely because your videos are going to get sent out to so many more people. And with that too use hashtags and experiment. You have to like look at look at other videos like that are similar to your content. For example, sometimes I look at other videos by authors and even videos by young authors and I'm like, well, what hashtags are they using? What? And then I kind of see and I come up with like my list of hashtags and I use them. I also use always hashtag Shanti Hershenson too because now, you know, my name comes up much more. Then I also recommend um like Again, it's all about experimenting. So when you post a video, if it doesn't do well, then try a different style of video. Try something else. You know, if the like type of video you didn't do, maybe you like, I don't know, just did like a slideshow with images about your book. And if that didn't work, try something else. Maybe show an excerpt from your book. And if that works, post another one. And I feel like that's over three tips, but... Another tip I have, and if you're willing to like invest a little, using TikTok ads is extremely helpful, especially um, say you have a video that's doing well and like organically, if it's doing well, then I find boosting those videos is always great because you know it's being perceived well by your audience. You know it's getting you more followers. So then you can spend a slight amount of money advertising and pushing that video out more. Occasionally, though, if I do have a video that's maybe having trouble reaching people organically, I'll spend a bit of money trying to advertise it. But typically, I find it's a lot easier to focus on the videos that are already doing well. Because the videos that are always doing well, they can only do better. Awesome. Yeah, that was like 
12 tips right there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that was still uh, that was still awesome advice. And I hope you were taking notes again while you were not driving or if you are driving, <laughs> pull over and rewind about 40, 35 seconds uh, to, to make notes on that. All right. So still, we're not going to come out of this role play yet. I'm still the uh, fledgling author who just set up his TikTok account uh, 35 seconds ago. So I guess I wanted to ask you, uh, from your experience on the platform, are there any, again, this is me being an out-of-touch 37-year-old millennial who knows very little about the platform, are there any particular, I guess, uh, types of content uh, that you've made yourself or from your observation uh, that you've seen other authors have made that are doing exceptionally well uh, right now? Oh, yeah. So one thing I've noticed that always does well is just like, and I kind of mentioned it, if you have an excerpt of the book that you really like or like some kind of quote, share that. Especially like, I don't know, I just, readers love quotes, obviously, and like excerpts because they want to know what they're reading. And I found that often I do videos where I'm like, this is the first line of my book or this is my favorite quote or just even showing like a you know page from the book. And then especially ones that end on cliffhangers when showing pages, like something really, really exciting, like a really good part of the book, but then, you know, they have to turn the page to read what comes next. So you have to buy the book because doing things that are going to really like kind of make your readers want to read the book. <laughs> um, otherwise, I find that also like introducing the characters people really like. If you have a character that's maybe going to be relatable to like your audience, that's extremely like people love relatability. And then also another type of video, writing tips. Share your advice, you know, don't gatekeep. Because, you know, if people like your readers also want to become writers and then they find that you're posting a bit of tips every now and then, they're going to follow you. And if they like your tips, they're probably going to like your books. Awesome. So that has been a, a lot of value bombs from yeah. the 16-year-old uh, author with 16 books who makes me feel very intimidated and inadequate. So uh, <laughs> to pretty much uh, to wrap up, I guess my last question for you, Shanti, is uh, where can anyone who's listening today, uh, where can our audience find out uh, more about you, your writing journey, and your books, and to consume some of those writing tips that you're posting on social media? What are the best ways to find you and get in contact with you? Yeah, of course. So I always recommend you check out my website, which is shantihershenson.com. That's S-H-A-N-T-I-H-E-R-S-H-E-N-S-O-N.com. You can always like I you can always find all my books on there. I have some of my interviews and in press up. I really have to like kind of reorganize it. You can see what events I have coming up and just everything. I also, of course, recommend checking out the TikTok, which is at Shanti Who Writes. As mentioned, I post a variety of content related to my books and my story. And I also post writing tips, so it's always helpful. Otherwise, my Instagram is just at Shanti Hershenson. And I have a Twitter account, which is just at Shanti Hirsch. But honestly, I just repost things about me. So, All right. And that is a wrap for this episode of the Pen to Profit podcast. I am your host, Ray Evans, signing off. And as we say around these parts, the pen is mightier than the sword. Unless you're in a sword fight, then you might want to reconsider your options. Thanks, Shanti. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Pin to Profit Podcast. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us today, swing by iTunes 
or your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and write a review. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to get more of this grammar goulash delivered piping hot to your ear holes every week. And if you're looking for more tips, tricks, and free trainings that aren't available anywhere else, click the link in the show notes to join the Author Success Hub Facebook group. It's one part mastermind group and one part creative writing workshop. Except you can attend in your pajamas without judgment. Plus, you'll be mixing it up with fellow authors who are all about that writing and profiting life. Until next time, keep putting pen to paper and turning those pages to profit. Ciao.